0: Oh, well, we have been doing a series called Foundations, and I've been really enjoying this. Um, I know I've talked to many of you guys, and you guys have enjoyed this as well. We're, what we're doing is we're talking about kind of the foundational things of the, the faith that we have. And I don't know about you, but there's been so many times in my life where I meet someone. I remember when I became a worship leader. I became a worship leader because I could play guitar and I could somewhat sing. And I remember meeting other worship leaders and their email address was like worshipguy23 and like, you know, all that kind of stuff. And I felt like they get worship. I don't know if I get it. And I would meet people who like just, would spend hours a day in prayer, or they just had this deep understanding of scripture. And I always kind of felt there were certain things about our faith that other people got more than I did. And so what we want to do in this series is kind of go over those foundational things. And some of the things, like if you were here last week, we actually did like a workshop on how to read the Bible. And so we're going to be doing things like that. Like we've talked about how to read the Bible, how do we worship, how do we have prayer time, how do we have rest, how do we discern. And this morning, we are going to be talking about community. How do we have community? If you look through the Bible, you will see that community is extremely important. It's one of the central themes throughout scripture um, and i have had just you know in starting a church you talk to so many people who are visiting looking for a church and like across the board uh there's like one thing that they're looking for like sometimes people want like like really powerful scripture, uh, exposition, like they want great preaching. Some people want really powerful worship. But almost across the board, everybody is looking for friendship, for connection, for community. And and just as an aside, I've had like, a, like I think three conversations in the last couple weeks with some of you guys about uh, it feels like, you know, there's already a community here, and I don't know how to, like, take the next step and get connected in. I want to tell you that everybody here feels that way. We are a brand new church. We're, we're all getting to know one another. If you feel like we all have these deep, like, year, you know, years and years of connection, that's not true. We're all in the same place. So I want to encourage you, and maybe it, m- it might feel uh, freeing to know we're all feeling that way? Like, how do we connect with one another? So I think it's important that we talk about that. Um, I've often thought about uh, the the verse in Hebrews. The, the author of the book of Hebrews says this. He, they say, um, do not give up meeting together, as, as some are in the habit of doing, but encourage one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. What the author is saying is, like, there was a similar thing going on then as there is now. People were, weren't uh, connecting and gathering like they used to, apparently. And the author of Hebrews is saying, make it a priority. Like, don't stop gathering together. And I want, I, I want to make a point that what the author is talking about is not a Sunday morning service. In fact, when when I kind of began dreaming about what it would look like to start this church and I felt like God had put it on my heart to plant a church in Cleveland, I didn't feel like he said, go up to Cleveland and start a Sunday morning service, although that might be part of it. In fact, it is. What I felt like he said is, help build a community help build a community of people coming together to be in one another's lives. One of the things that you'll often hear us say is this phrase, that we are a church that meets on front porches and not just in sanctuaries. It's kind of one of our key phrases that we repeat a lot in this church, that we wanna be a church, sure, we can get together, I don't know if you'd call this a sanctuary, but we can get together on a Sunday morning in a church environment, but we also want to be a church that values real, authentic, and vibrant relationships with one another. We desire true, authentic community with one another, and not just a place to check off the box that you went to church on Sunday morning, but a place that that we would be a church on Sunday morning, but we would also be a church on Tuesday evening around the dinner table. That we would be the church on Friday night, out grabbing drinks or having a cookout, that we would be a church on a front porch connecting with one another. That is the desire of this church. And I believe that there is a deep longing inside each and every one of us for community, a desire to be accepted for who you are. And that's what I believe God is calling us to be here at Restoration Heights. And simply put, I think we're better when we're together. I think we're better together. And so uh, a few months ago, we actually talked about community, um, and and what we talked about were three things that I'm just going to really quickly say because I I think they're important for us to hear. But there's three things that we talked about a few weeks ago. We said that we reflect better when we're in community. And what I meant by that is we are all created in the image of God. And as individuals, we reflect the almighty living God. But I believe that as a group, we reflect him better because God is a community, God is three in one, that God is a community, and as a community, we better reflect God. That if God is infinite, then there are infinite ways to reflect him. And when we come together with our differences and our different backgrounds and ethnicities and and cultures, that we come together and, and, and reflect this infinite God. We also said that in community, we sail better. I am not a sailor. Does anyone sail? All right, we got one sailor. So I remember when I was young, I had a a, a mentor of mine tell me that you can sail across the ocean by yourself, but it's easier to sail with a crew. And so in community, in life, we can sail through the storms and through the waves of life better together. It's easier to navigate the difficulties and the the highs and the lows, Um, and so I think we sail better in community. And then finally, we talked about how we grow better in community. You can isolate yourself, and you can grow, but we grow exponentially more when we are together, when we have people who maybe challenge us or people who speak life into us or call things out on us that are good and say, I think you're good at this. And so we begin to grow in those things. So I think these are the reasons why I think community is important. But I think the reality is, is most of us would probably understand and admit that community is important, that relationship is important. And probably most of us have a deep desire for relationship and community. So what I want to do today is to spend a few minutes uh, not talking about why community is important, but talking about why is it difficult to have community. If we know it's important, why is it so hard to do it? See, I believe that there are some obstacles and some hindrances that we will find in our pursuit of the authentic relationships that we want to have with one another. That there are some things that make community hard. Have you found in your life that community or relationship can be hard? Yeah? Yeah, it can be hard. And so I thought of just kind of as I was praying this week, five big ones, and there's probably many, many more that you could add, Um, but I thought of five that I want to talk about and just kind of address some of the elephants in the room and call out and name some of the problems so that we can address them, and it doesn't mean that if we address them, it's smooth sailing from here, but if we address them, at least we can be aware and begin to work on them, so before we jump in, let's pray. So, Jesus, Lord, we pray for you to be here with us. Lord, I ask that you would speak to us. And Lord, even as I'm praying right now, I recognize that there are people here who have been hurt in community. There are are people here who have legitimate pain, especially when it comes to church community pain when it comes to family, pain when it comes to friendships, or all different kinds of things like that, Lord. And so I just ask that my words um, don't poke at that pain. And Lord, I just pray that I don't say anything that you don't want to say this morning. In your name, amen. Okay, so the first problem, or hindrance, or issue that I find people have when it comes to relationship or community is priorities. Priorities, here's what I mean. I believe that what you value in your life, you will give priority to. That what you value, you will elevate and make time for and space for. And I believe that if community and relationship is truly a value, if it's something that you desire, that it needs to be a priority in your life. You need to make space for it. And for me, if I'm being honest, oftentimes there is a deep longing for community, but I don't live it out as a priority in my life. I don't make space for it. I will say that community and relationship is extremely important, but I put other things above it so often. And the reality is that oftentimes they're not bad things. They can be really good things, and, or sometimes not good things, but they're, they're just lots of stuff. Lots of things take the place of, of community. Things like, I'm tired, I need to rest. I want to have family time. I wanna have entertainment, or there's this new series on Netflix that I wanna check out, or, or a sporting event, or my kids, or, or extracurricular activities, and the list can go on and on. And they're not bad things, they're good things, oftentimes. And I'm not saying we even need to eliminate those things in our life, but what I'm saying is if we want relationship, if we want community, there's going to be a cost. There just will. There has to be a cost. We are going to have to make space to prioritize that community. And so what might that look like? Well, I don't know for you, but maybe it's making a small group a priority. We have small group on Tuesday nights, and, and I just want to encourage you. This is a place where I think we begin to know each other more. We begin to hear each other's stories more. And maybe, maybe making that a part. Maybe make coming to church on Sunday. Like I said, this is not the end-all, be-all, but this is a place where we come together and connect. Maybe coming to the cookout on Friday or, or maybe making time to grab coffee with someone. Stepping out and saying, hey, uh, I don't know, would you want to grab lunch sometime this week? And making time to do it. And I don't know exactly what it is for you, but I think it's worth asking that if community and relationship is something that you want and desire, what might be a next step for you? What might be the thing that God is saying, maybe you need to create space by maybe not doing this every week or maybe making time? I don't know. Asking the question, does my calendar reflect that relationship and community is important to me? So potentially there might be things we have to sacrifice, and I'm not sure what it is, but I just want to encourage you to ask, to begin asking and thinking. The second thing that I have noticed as a conflict when it comes to community is expectations expectations. Understanding our expectations for what we are looking for in a church and in a community is so important. I have a friend who's a pastor in Chicago, and he leads this really cool multi-ethnic church. And one of the things he was telling me is he talks about these cultural needs, That everybody has cultural needs. I don't know if you if you've experienced this. I've had the opportunity over the last number of years to go to and connect with a lot of different churches. And I don't know if you've noticed, but like a Latin American church is different from the Asian churches that I've been to. And like the conservative white church is different than many of the black churches I visited. And there are cultural needs that cultures have. And that's not a bad thing. That's a, that's a wonderful thing. That's a wonderful thing. But it's, it's important to begin asking, what are some of the needs? What are some of the desires? That, what am I looking for in a church? And maybe you've never thought about that. And it's important to know, uh, you know, what, what am I looking for in a community? But here's what I also uh, think is true many of us have expectations for a church community that are unrealistic. And I I don't want to say this, like, with humility and with kindness, Um, but I believe that many of us are looking for a church that doesn't exist. The church that I'm looking for has this kind of worship and this kind of preaching and this kind of discipleship and this kind of outreach and believes this kind of theology and, and you know, communicates this way and does this for kids. And, and there is no church that does all of the things that you want. Charles Spurgeon one time said, if I had never joined a church till I had found the one that was perfect... I should have never joined one at all, and the moment I did join it, if I had found one, I should have spoiled it, for it would have not been a perfect church after I had become a member of it. Still imperfect as it is, it is the dearest place on earth to us." What Spurgeon is talking about is there's not a perfect church. And if there was, you'd ruin it, because <laughs> we're a broken people. And let me say this, don't get me wrong, it is important to find a church that works for you. It's important to find a church that, you know, theology matches up somewhat to what you believe or has a style that doesn't make you feel alienated and weird and bad and, you know, that stuff is important. And I find this to be true not just for church community, But, like, pretty much in every aspect of our life, there is not a perfect job. There's not a perfect spouse. There's not a perfect friendship. And the problem is nothing is perfect, and everything will at some point disappoint you. And you're like, why did I come to church this morning? This is a bummer. But listen, I'm saying this so there might be some freedom. When I found out, when I figured out that my wife is not perfect, don't tell her I said that. No, when I found out that my wife wasn't perfect and I changed my expectation, um, I began to enjoy her more. When I stopped putting expectations on her to be the perfect wife, like, my marriage got better. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, people expect their spouse to be our, their best friend, amazing in bed, spiritually, like, super amazing and wealthy and brilliant and hilarious and patient and in touch with their emotions and have worked through all their childhood trauma and ridiculously good-looking and all of these things that no one is. Right? Anytime I do pre-marriage counseling, I always, this is what I talk about. Talk about expectations. What are your expectations with money or sex or kids or free time or chores or whatever and talk about it? And so I want to ask you um, just to start thinking about what are the non-negotiables that you have for church? What are the things that you would say, this is important to me, and it's important enough that I don't wanna go to a church that doesn't do this. And that's okay. It's okay to have non-negotiables. And then what are the things that you're willing to compromise? What are the things that you're like, you know what? It's really important to me that we have um, this kind of theology, but this, this is not as important to me, even though I believe it. I remember the first time Scott and Cherie visited our church. They, they came to our church first week that we launched, and it was on a blizzard. And so it was like our setup team and Scott and Cherie. So it's like, hey, you guys, here's our... Ch-. And uh, I remember I was like, hey, Scott, let, let's connect after church. Let's, you know, ha-. and I was just desperate for someone to come to my church. Um, and we had this phone call, and Scott and Cherie had discussed, here are the four things. Was it four? Three. Here are the three things Like, these three things are really important. And then everything else are different variations of important. But these are the three non-negotiables for us. And that is very healthy. It's very healthy. To begin to ask, what are my non-negotiables? And are my non-negotiables even realistic? So, with that being said, one of the pitfalls might be What is our expectation for the community that we're joining and are our expectations realistic? And so my my challenge or encouragement to you is begin to think about that. Begin to think about that. Number three, and this is a big one. We're We're gonna talk about this one a little bit more. This one is conflict. Conflict, disagreement hurt and kind of going along with the expectation conversation we can expect that when we push in community we are going to have conflict it's a reality even talking about marriage again i always tell couples who ask me to do their wedding i say have you guys gotten to a fight yet because if not i think that's important To see how people react in conflict. Stuff comes out in conflict. Over and over and over again, people who are part of a church, um, they, they, they start pushing into community, and the moment there's some kind of conflict, they bolt. I've done that. And, and I wanna say there's a time to leave. There's a time to, to say this is unhealthy. But the thing I want to promise you is that I will hurt your feelings. I will offend you, and if I don't, someone here will. It'll probably be Scott. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> <laughs> but here's here listen, I want I wanna I wanna say this again. I am and we'll get into this a little bit more, but I'm not talking about abuse. I'm not talking about toxic leaders. That stuff is real. And I'm not saying we need to tolerate abuse or toxic leadership or just, you know, mean. I don't, I'm not, I want you guys to hear my heart in this. There, there is, we are living in a time where I think God is allowing things to come to the surface in the church. That we've talked so much about unity and, you know, protecting the church and stuff that we have buried, abuse and things. And I think these things are coming to the surface, and I think it's a good, wonderful, beautiful thing that they are. It's the church being held accountable for toxic systems and toxic theology and toxic leadership. So I'm not talking about if you experience abuse in the church, suck it up and be a part of it. I'm not saying that at all. I'm talking about the reality that humans are going to have disagreements. One of the things I love about our leadership team in this church is that we don't all agree on everything. We don't all agree on everything, and not only is that okay, but it's really healthy. It's healthy for us to come together in our disagreements and learn how to work through them, learn how to learn from one another my desire for this church is to be a multi-ethnic, multi-racial, multi-generational, multi ethnic, uh, multicultural, multi racial, multi generational, multi sexual orientation I just I want this to be a church where we can all come and belong. And when we come from different backgrounds and different cultures, we are going to have different outlooks and different cultural needs and uh, different all kinds of things. And potentially, we are going to step on each other's toes. Or we might say something that's insensitive. We might, we might not understand fully someone else's experience. And I think two things about that. It's one, one thing is it's super important to do work to educate yourself on other cultural needs. It's super important. To not, uh, ignorance is not an excuse in today's, we have access to like every book ever written. We can, we can do the work to learn, but I also think it's important to make p- space for people who are on journeys. That not everybody is going to fully understand everything Im- immediately, right? And we have to give space for people to grow and to learn. I love what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4. He says, make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body, one spirit. And just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, one, one, one. There's this call to unity, to oneness. Let me I'm just gonna be really vulnerable with you guys and just tell you guys a little bit of my journey. Um, So I come from a background of a church family that was um, not affirming to LGBTQ people. And I will tell you what, for probably most of my life, there was this little thing inside of me that said, I don't know if I'm on the same page with the church family I belong to. And about, probably about like 10 years ago, I began wanting to wrestle with what I believed about this stuff. And I found it impossible (laughs) to wrestle with it. and Amy were talking about this the other day. It was so hard to begin to even ask the questions because some people would say, if you ask the questions, you're a heretic, or you don't love God, or you don't love the Bible, or you, you know, whatever. That if you ask questions about what you believe about this stuff, then you're not a Christian. And then other people would tell me, if you ask questions about this, then you're homophobic. And so I felt it impossible to even think about what I believe about it. And I'll tell you, as I decided to dive in, I began to realize that I didn't believe what my church family taught me. I didn't believe it anymore, but it was terrifying to, take, to begin to take those steps forward. And I so appreciated my queer brothers and sisters, my friends in the LGBT community who had patience with me and for me as I would ask questions and walked through it. Now I wanna say this too, with anything, um, marginalized people and culture aren't there just to answer our questions. And so it's not their responsibility to teach us, but I am so thankful for the ones who did, for the ones who had made space to like say, hey, you know, my, my, my black friends who said, can I tell you why you shouldn't touch my hair anymore? Or like, whatever it is, like, there's just these things that were really helpful for me. I just made up that story. That didn't happen. But there are those things that, that were really helpful. Um, actually, this is not my, in my notes, but I remember I had a friend who had a kid with, with Down syndrome. And like, you know, if you were like alive in the 80s or 90s, there was a word that was used for everything. And I don't even want to say it because it is a disgusting, mean, evil word. But there was a word that you would use for, like, a bad TV show or, like, a bike that's not working properly or anything. And I remember saying it in front of one of my friends who had a kid with Down syndrome. And my friend said, JT, can I tell you why that word hurts my feelings? Is because you are using it in a way that says this is bad. And you are telling me that my son is bad. And it like, and he was like, I love you. Like, I get it. Like, I know know you're not trying to do that. But it like totally changed the way I thought about it. And I think if we can create a space where there's patience, but there's also a desire for us to grow and learn and not just sit in our ignorance, uh, I think this will be a beautiful community. And going back to the LGBTQ issue, I just want to say really quickly, um, many of you guys know that our church is going through the process of leaving our prior movement, our prior association, because of this. Because we are being told that disagreement about this is a bridge too far. And to us, it's worth it to say, we're leaving this church family because it's worth it to our LGBTQ brothers and sisters. And if you are curious about that, I encourage you to reach out to me, to talk to me about that. Um, But also, I wanna tell you, in the month of October, we are going to be doing a a class that we're calling Faith, Gender, and Sexuality. And if you're wondering like, why are we moving in this direction? Why is this church saying these things? Um, if, that's, if that's something that is, you know, you're curious about that, I want to I invite you to this. Because we're going to be going through a book and having conversation, and it's a space that I want to say you can ask questions. So we'll be giving you more details about that soon. Um, but what if we were a church that didn't let conflict or disagreement divide us. Oftentimes, I find when there is disagreement, um, because the Bible talks so much about oneness and unity, what happens when you can't come to a common unity, when you can't figure out how to agree on something, is someone has to suck it up. Someone has to be willing to lay down their opinion or their rights. And here's what's unfortunate, is traditionally within the church, we have forced marginalized people to suck it up. We have forced marginalized people to take the brunt of the disagreement for the sake of unity. We told Dr. Martin Luther King, stop talking about race for the sake of unity. So often we tell our LGBTQ brothers and sisters stop talking about homophobia and you know toxic homophobic systems in churches because of unity for the sake of unity. or to women, stop talking about sexual abuse and, and you know toxic evil uh, uh, patriarchal systems in church for the sake of unity and, and, and I want to say this: what if What if the godly response would be people of privilege saying, I am willing to lay down my desire to be right. Or my, um, you know, I will suck it up for the sake of my marginalized brothers and sisters. So often we've told people like... um, being part of a church expression that was predominantly white, I, I just remember saying things like, everybody is welcome, but what we meant is everybody is welcome to come and leave their culture at the door and be a part of our culture. What if we didn't do that? What if, what if we prioritized marginalized folks and said, your experience is more important, and we are, we are willing To lay down our, you know, our rights. I I wonder if Paul meant this when he said in 1st Corinthians, I wonder if he meant this when he said, even though I am free of the demands and expectations of everyone, I have voluntarily become a servant to any and all in order to reach a wide range of people, religious, non-religious, meticulous, moralist, loose-living, immoralist, the defeated, the demoralized, whoever. I wonder if what Paul was saying is, I come from a position of privilege, and I'm willing to lay down my privilege for the sake of whoever. I wonder. And I wonder if we were willing to do that, if the beautiful community that so much, so many of us desire will begin to form. So I encourage you to begin asking, how can I lay down my rights for the sake of my brothers and sisters? Maybe I can die to some of my cultural needs so someone else might be able to have some of their cultural needs met. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? Okay. Next, I think one of the other complications is fear. Again, this one's loaded too. I, um, I think fear can stop us from the connection and community that we desire. And some of us have very realistic fears. Very real fears. Some may be unrealistic, but either way, they're, they're there. So many of us struggle. Maybe you have the fear that if you become vulnerable and try to connect with people, people won't like you or they'll judge you. Maybe you have the fear that the experience, the hurt that you felt in your last church is gonna happen again. Those are real fears. And if you have experienced pain in a church environment, um, I wanna tell you as a pastor that I'm sorry that you have. Maybe you've gone through spiritual abuse. Maybe you were a part of a community that was like kind when you first came, but then you realized there was some toxic theology that was really harmful. Maybe you were told you were welcome, but as you stepped further and you realized you weren't really welcome, I'm sorry. My, my desire is this place would would be a place of healing for you. We won't be perfect, we're gonna hurt you, like I said, but my desire is this could be a safe of a place as possible, that this, this would be in the original use of the word, a sanctuary, a safe place for you where we don't offer you easy answers or bumper sticker solutions, but truly uh, walk with you. To walk with you in the fears and the insecurities and the pain and then the suffering. Um, And and I also just want to say that when we talk about community, that if you have gone through hurt and there's fear, take as much time as you need. I don't want to rush you to, like, come on, community, come on, get involved, get involved. Take as much time as you need. And so my challenge is not necessarily for you if you've experienced that. It would be maybe a challenge for the rest of us that we would be a place that would be willing to engage in that suffering and not give easy answers not give five-dollar answers to million-dollar questions, not dismissing it, not saying, well, Jesus didn't hurt you, the church did, and not just saying these, like, things that are, like, bumper sticker things, but that we would be willing to walk alongside those who are hurting. And I just want to offer this to you. If you are here and you have gone through significant hurt, if you've gone through church abuse, if anything, that. I want to offer myself and some of the folks in this church to be a listening ear, that I would be honored to hear your story, that I would be honored to sit with you and and maybe process with you or maybe cry with you, maybe just sit with you. And And I want to acknowledge that relationship and community is scary, intimacy is scary. I know I I have realized that there was a church that I belonged to that I got I went through some really significant abuse. And I'm realizing it like it's okay to call it abuse now. I always defended it and said it wasn't abuse, but I'm realizing it was. And as I've been processing through that, I was listening to a podcast recently and I heard one of the people who t- did some pretty nasty things to me say something about me that wasn't true. And they didn't say my name, but anyone who was involved in the church at the time knew that it was about me. And I even had some people say, hey, did you hear what so-and-so said? And it really hurt, it really hurt. And throughout my life in ministry, I have learned that people can hurt you. And so what I've done is I've built some really cool walls some really safe walls to not let anyone in. But what ultimately it did is it isolated me. And I am currently now learning how to dismantle some of these walls that I built to protect me and served me well in certain situations but aren't serving me well anymore. And what I want to encourage you guys to do is maybe start thinking about, do I have walls up that, that I can safely begin to dismantle? And we have, I'd love to help you with resources, counseling, all this kind of stuff. Because the reality is C.S. Lewis talks about this in The Four Loves, that, that if you never want your heart to be broken, you can put yourself in this casket where no one can get to you and your heart will never be broken, but the alternative is, is sometimes even worse. The isolation that you can experience can can really really hurt. Connection and community and intimacy has the potential to hurt us, but it also has the potential to do some beautiful things. And so I am beginning to work through some of those bad habits. So please be patient with me as I do. And I just want to encourage you that if you have some of those things that you want to process through, I'd love to talk to you about that. Um, And then finally, oh, and let me just say this too. Oftentimes in church, you just get this message, just dive in, jump in. But maybe your step should be like dipping your toe in, and that's okay. There's freedom to dip your toe in. Um, And then finally, and I'm not going to spend much time on this, but I want to say this, the last hindrance, the last thing that, that I believe separates us from community is the enemy. And here's the reality. I I believe that we have a spiritual enemy whose one goal and his, his one purpose is to keep you away from the things that God has for you. When I was a kid, I was terrified of the devil. When I was a kid, I snuck Me and my cousin snuck away and watched The Exorcist when we were too little. And I was terrified of the devil. And I had this thought that the devil wanted to do two things. He wanted to turn me into a bank robbing, like drug using murderer. And he wanted to possess me. That's like, that's what's going to happen. And I've learned that the enemy is a lot more sneaky. That he's not trying to necessarily make you bad, but he's trying to isolate you. He's trying to keep you away from God. He's trying to keep you away from who God made you to be. He's trying to keep you away from community. He's trying to keep you away from the beautiful things that God made you for him. And I've seen so many times over the years that there's this real battle to connect to community that sometimes just doesn't make sense. Like, I'll go to a small group, and I'll be like, man, that was so life-giving. And then the next week, I'm like, I don't want to go. And I wonder why. So what if, as a church, we actively prayed against that? That we not only addressed the natural things, not only addressed, like, the, you know, the things that we talked about, but we addressed the spiritual issue as well, and committed to praying for community, praying for one another. The Bible says that our battle is not against flesh and blood, and so here's how I want to end. Would you, guys, would you guys come back up that we want to take a time and address the spiritual reality That there there is an enemy who wants to isolate you, and we want to pray for one another. Some of us have been isolated for a variety of reasons. Maybe you've gone through some significant church. Maybe you're just like, you don't know why, but you were just having trouble making friends. Maybe you're having trouble finding a church that feels like home. Maybe, maybe there's all kinds of things. And I just feel like right now, if we 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 can address all the other things that we talked about, but right now let's just let's just pray. Let's invite the Holy Spirit, because one, one of my favorite verses in the Bible is about how Jesus, when he died on the cross, not only did he die to save us from our sins, he didn't just die to give us a ticket to heaven. What, what, it says he died, and because of what he did, he broke down the, the, the walls of hostility. He broke down the walls, dividing people, and made the two people one. That sometimes there is work to do. Sometimes we need to do the work. We need to read the book. We need to have the hard conversations. But sometimes we need to pray for the, the, the power of the Holy Spirit to break down the walls. It's a, to me, it's a both and. It's not an either or. We talked about this in a number of weeks ago. about Should we be a church that's like, you know, thoughts and prayers or a church that's action? And the answer is yes. I think we need to be a both church. Thoughts and prayers and action. And so right now, what I want to do is pray. So can we stand?